Hey guys, it's me, Judy, here back again on The Old and the New. Today, we're going to talk about a very famous Roman writer and politician, and his name was Marcus Tullius Cicero. He lived around 100 to 40-something BC, so this was during the Roman Republic times, and he was a very successful lawyer and politician at the same time. He was known for his court speeches, and he actually also wrote some philosophical books afterwards in his later years when he didn't have so much to do in the political field. He also wrote some poetry, but these were less well-known, shall we say. As to why he was a good lawyer as well as a politician, this was no coincidence, actually. And this is because in the Roman education system, small children from a family that has some amount of money would go to a person called a literator and they would this is their equivalent of primary school so here the girls and boys would learn some basic arithmetic and so that they gain some basic literacy and numeracy for later life and boys from richer families would then go on to the next stage of education this is called going to a grammaticus and here the boys would learn stuff such as literature, more advanced literature, so Greek poetry, uh, astronomy, music and so on. The reason why it's mostly boys at this stage of education is because in ancient Rome there was a divide in the gender roles of men and women, obviously as we might know, and women, for example, they weren't allowed to become politicians. Um, so therefore there was less of a need for girls to go to these classes. And if a particular wealthy family wants their girl to be educated further, they might have a slave that is educated and especially bought to teach their girl at home. This slave could be Greek or someone who simply received education themselves. And these slaves are actually one of the more well-paid well, paid, actually, in general, and more well-respected types, relatively, within the slave category. Anyway, for the boys, then it would be, after the grammaticus, then it would be the very wealthy ones, the very wealthy few, would go on to the next stage of education. These are mostly boys who come from families where the children are expected to become politicians, and therefore they need this. They go to a person who is called a rhetor, and they basically learn rhetorics. This is essentially their lawyer training. So these people would learn how to debate and would study famous cases of law court cases and um, analyse these speeches and recite literature and debate with their teacher and each other. So they would be trained on how to speak how to write to their speech, how to compose their gestures and everything. It is a very complicated process. And those who learn it well, learn how to be persuasive and appealing for when they want to become a politician, because the Roman Republic relies very heavily on voting and therefore it was important to appeal to your audience in, in order to achieve success. Therefore, Cicero was such a person. 
he received a very good education from his teachers. And so as to how Cicero rose to his success, he was born in a family of perhaps a equestrian rank, which means knight technically, but in ancient Rome, this just means that his family had a certain amount of money. So he was quite rich. And this was an important factor for him, in a sense, because having a wealthy family meant that he could potentially make good connections with people. He was able to be put in touch with them, although he has to make those connections himself. And also when he goes to become a politician, being a politician is very expensive back in the day because Roman people voted for everything. And so therefore politicians, in order to be liked, they would do things to please the people, such as fund plays, festivals, hold games, and also uh, putting money into the military. And winning wars was also a way of making it likeable, but then also very expensive. So Cicero having money certainly benefited his political career. But however, he did not come from a prestigious family or name. So he had to establish his own name for himself. So in Rome, there was this concept of someone being a patrician or a nobles or a plebeian. And what this means is that if you're a patrician, then that means your family basically is very old and you have prestige. So people maybe respect you a little bit more. But then it doesn't mean anything really literally, but it just means you have that good background and your family was very old since and successful since the times of the uh, ancient Roman kings. And the concept of being a nobles is that if one of your ancestors, somebody in your family history has once been consul at some point in life, as long as it's traceable. So Cicero is neither of those things. So Cicero very much built his own connections by cleverly winning the respect of others with his ability. For example, when he was still quite young, he made his debut speech, shall we say, uh, a speech that was called Pro Roscio, which meant that he defended this guy called Roscius in court. And it was a very risky choice for him because not many people believed that he would win the case. But in fact, he did win the case for him and therefore this got him some fame and reputation. And later on, he generally was very good at being a lawyer and he very often defended people and prosecuted less. And he rises through the ranks very rapidly. He became quaestor and then pretty much very soon he becomes a praetor and then even consul. These two positions are the second highest and the highest political office that you can hold in Rome. And he got them pretty much as soon as he was able to due to his age. So he got these positions when he was quite young and on the first try as well, which I feel like says a lot about his actual ability. However, he also made some unfortunate choices in life, we think. So, for example, he offended people that he wasn't supposed to offend. 
and uh, an example of that would be he criticized Julius Caesar at some point uh, when he wasn't supposed to uh, and he thought he was doing it in favor of Pompey who might have less of a big name than Julius Caesar but then actually was equally important as him. The public very much liked Pompey and he was very influential and Cicero thought Pompey had been his friend but actually Pompey did not disagree, did not agree with that and so therefore Pompey told him to shut up and that was very unfortunate for Cicero because after that he was essentially, he got exiled and therefore he wasn't allowed to do much anymore. And this was the time when he actually sat down and he wrote a lot of philosophy and perhaps a bit of poetry since he no longer has that law court that needs him uh, for his clever rhetorics. I think after some discussion with other people, we might say that one of Cicero's major issues could be that he was perhaps a bit self-important, although not without reason, and he might not have read his political environment very well, but he certainly was a very clever and talented man, and we gained that knowledge from reading his speeches. We know that he made very clever arguments, although perhaps not so professional by our day's standards of local speeches. But he was very well educated and very well taught. We know that he was keen on his studies because he, uh, we know that according to records, when he was holding political positions, he even went to Greece to receive further education of two years. And... I just think it's interesting how much information we can get from the limited materials that we have on them. So, for example, the amount of ancient literature we know that existed now, but is now no longer here because of fires, floods, ignorant people and so on, is vast. There's a running joke that whatever ancient historian or archaeologist wakes up at night and thinks of the burning library of Alexandria and weeps in despair about all the literature that we lost. And that may be a joke, but honestly, because written work is so hard to preserve, it's not difficult to imagine how much more we would have had back in the day than what we think we have now. Romans wrote on papyrus, especially. This was invented by the Egyptians, and papyrus was very brittle and fragile, so they didn't preserve well. Papyrus was invented by the ancient Egyptians, and they were very widely used by the Romans. However, after writing on them, unless they're very well kept, they get very brittle and hard to keep. And they're also very expensive. So they are not as handy as the paper that we have today. Therefore, the evidence that we have might often be from a slab of stone or a fresco that might be preserved better. But having seen those things, obviously the decoding process is hard. And, I mean, interesting, but hard as well. I don't know if this is just me, but whenever I go to a museum or place where ruins is located, 
you can see that there is barely anything left for me to feel that there had been a piece of architecture or a mon monument or a tomb or a real person existing at some point as new and those in use and functional or talking. It feels unimaginable to me. But somehow, also just from talking and reading and hearing and studying things, we're able to make out the image of an entire human being in his entire life when we don't know maybe what he looks like, for sure, but we know about his personality. I think that is rather quite amazing, and it's quite amazing what we can do with archaeology. And I know this episode is sort of a tangent, but every episode is anyway. So next time we might continue with some more Roman content, but no promises. The lesbian poetry is still cooking, because I have not finished reading, so my apologies about that. But thank you very much for listening otherwise. We are done here today and see you next time.